when I was 25 and a half, I started a podcast. The goal? To review some of the newest and the latest movies, along with some other stuff. With the help of my guests, I was able to do this. But there were dark forces tampering with my podcast. And with me. They called it an improvised podcast for some reason. I eventually found help in the form of myself. Yes, the me from a universe where the movies I reviewed got delayed. Apparently, my podcast made it to his universe. I know now that it is my duty, for the good of that universe, nay, the multiverse, to keep recapping and reviewing these movies, to hold listeners over until they could eventually see the movies as they were made in their world. For some reason, they come out differently in my world, but it's kind of entertaining that way. My name is Steven Schinder, and this is Delayed Replay. From Anchor TV, live from some guy's basement, it's Delayed Replay with Steven Schinder and Mr. Multiverse. Woo! Delayed Replay is filmed before a live studio audience. <laughs> they're very quiet. They're, they're very respectfully quiet. Yeah, and we only upload the audio. We don't release the video. But <laughs> <laughs> it's... it's um. It's less biting when when we can we we can make the jokes. It's like Big Bang Theory. We can pretend like people are laughing at our jokes. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've seen like those videos where people edit out the studio audience or canned laughter or whatever for Big Bang Theory, and it just feels cringeworthy and like they're just being mean to each other. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sad to admit I've seen a good chunk of the Big Bang Theory before I got really tired of it, but. Like, I'm not sure if they ever mentioned the Big Bang Theory itself within the show beyond the actual, like, title sequence. So, yeah, I don't know if, like, any listeners know, email delayedreplaypodcast at gmail.com. But anyway, we're not talking we're about... We're not going to read it, but you can email it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's entertaining enough, I might read it, but who knows. But, yeah, we're talking about... Uh, Snake Eyes, which in our universe came out late October last year. Um, kind of a weird time. Of, like, I ended up watching it between the Internals and Dune episodes, but I didn't record an episode back then. But we're doing it now because it seems topical since in that other universe, it's coming out on Paramount Plus in a couple of weeks, apparently. Um, but again, like the premises, like the way we describe these movies end up sounding different from how they end up being in that other universe. And it's really weird, but it ends up being a good time just talking about it. Is the pandemic over in that other universe? I mean, there might be like a like a variant that people are worried about. Uh, I know some people are like places are loosening up, like very places are opening up again, but. You know, I'll have to talk with my other self and see, like, what's going on. Because, yeah, like, people still wearing masks, like, just to be courteous, which, I mean, makes sense to me. But, you know, but speaking of masks, Snake Eyes wears a mask usually, but not in this movie. 
Um, but I guess before we get into that, uh, what are your experiences with like the G.I. Joe franchise in general, if you have any? My experience with G.I. Joe starts with, of course, the 80s cartoon, um, I, it, which is funny because that's the only G.I. Joe cartoon I'll watch. The, all the well, Renegades is actually pretty good, um, but like others like Extreme G.I. Joe or Sigma Six or or anything else outside, it's especially the Deke version of gi joe oh that's bad um <laughs> uh, but no um outside of that it's the idw comics there's it's funny because there's two different there's multiple versions of the gi joe comics and a lot of them do have a like a set continuity but the one that's still ongoing and it's actually from when marvel was writing the comic was the larry hama run which is still going to this day and i'm surprised like i don't know i didn't realize hama could milk uh gi joe for oh, nearly 600 issues oh wow that would be decades then <laughs> well, like, not if you combined it all together like if you combined all of his work together it's 600 oh i see yeah i was thinking like if you were referring to a main series as opposed to like multiple lines but yeah i'm dumb yeah. <laughs> but like the main gi joe title he writes was over at marvel then it went over to idw where he continued it it was a lot like, I don't know if you are aware of, of this one, but like, it's kind of like a continuation of like when the Sonic comics were going on in the 90s and went all the way to the present day until the writer went mad with power. But thankfully, Larry Hama knows what he's writing <laughs> and he's not mad with power. Oh, that's nice to hear. You know, yeah. it's always refreshing when you hear that people in these entertainment industries are not all bad. Like lots of them are, but like they, they, they can be all right sometimes, I guess. <laughs> i need to hook you up with my friend uh andrew he will give you a amazing like he will go into full depths of how effed the sonic comics the archie sonic comics were before they went to idw okay. and, and how the creator just i don't know if you're a sonic fan. i'm not but like i mean i'm not but i have a bunch of friends who are like we they they love referring to him as Snoik, like as a joke when we play like online drawing games and yeah, it gets wild, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's literally the most amazing train wreck you'll ever see in comics. Um, or one of the uh, um one of. But anyway, so but um gonna be real. I was interested in this movie. And then as the trailers came out, when we got closer and closer to the movie, which was a month away, that's always a good sign when your movie starts premiering trailers like less than a month away from your premiere. That's a great sign. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how how many times has that worked out? Oh, only once. And that was with Dread. And even then he didn't do that. It didn't do well in the box office. Yeah, which is unfortunate because uh, I mean, I thought Dread was a really great movie. I, I mean, I'm partially to blame because I didn't see it in the theater, which I regret. but. Yeah, like it, it's the marketing should have been better for that. And like, frankly, yeah, I see that trend with this movie as well in the marketing. Like they were too last minute with it, like before it came out. Yeah, it's it's um, it's not a good sign. And that was Mike, my first red flag. I had to lower my expectations drastically, drastically. Like, so the bar was so low on the ground, it was covered in dirt. <laughs> um, it was just getting covered in magma at some point. Oh, yeah. But and was my expectations lowered enough? Not even close. <laughs> because. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with these 
live action G.I. Joe movies like uh, I mean we had Rise of Cobra and Retaliation in 09 and 013 and it's like uh, I don't know if you've seen those but um I've watched them and I'm gonna be honest I like Retaliation like it not like oh I love this movie it's more like ah it's it's good because Retaliation like it, it acknowledges knows what it is and goes on its merry way it like it, it like it feels like a G.I. Joe movie. And it's actually like there's some decent action sequences in there. But yeah, that uh, retaliate. It's not saying much because comparatively speaking, like not even the G.I. Joe animated movie was good. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I guess I should delve into like my experiences, which won't take too long because I have very little. But with the G.I. Joe, I've always been aware of like, you know, you have the toy commercials every now and then. Uh, but I never watched the animated show. The closest I've ever gone to like watching the animated show is watching that episode of Community from like season five, where it's just G.I. Jeff instead. And it, admittedly, it's not one of the best episodes of Community, but I thought it was entertaining enough. Although my brother will like always skip that episode. He really does not care for it. And so that gave me like a vague idea of like what that animated series is kind of like uh but for like the majority of my life up to like before seeing the live action movies i actually thought gi joe was a singular character like you know kind of like combat and toy story but it actually was for at the beginning it actually was a singular character but as the years rolled on they decided you know toy companies hasbro um had to like evolve with the times and at the at the time when gi joe was created it was against the it was obviously you know it was creating world war ii and as the world moved on there wasn't really like the cold war was kind of there but you couldn't really have them fight the russians because that was going to be a problem um so we uh, they had done they'd been creating transformers which was good guys bad guys so it was like the next logical step was, hey, but how about we bring back G.I. Joe, make it as a team and create this group called Cobra, you know, kind of make them like the allegory for the Nazis. I know way too much about G.I. Joe and it's way more than I should know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, when I eventually watched Rise of Cobra, I think it was like within a year after the movie came out initially like i can't remember if i rented it from netflix or if it was on tv at some point so it was like maybe months or a year or a couple years after i don't know but i remember watching it and being taken aback by how like it wasn't like what i was expecting gi joe to be because i was i guess i was imagining like the small soldiers style like military type of characters but yeah it was like more sci-fi than i expected and and to be fair gi joe's delve into sci-fi stuff hell they went there was an episode where they met the egyptian gods and there's also another episode in the 80s cartoon where they created a dinosaur army and left them on an island three like like long before Crichton michael Crichton had written jurassic park i swear to think it was that episode that gave Crichton the idea for jurassic park (laughs) nice Check out the IPC episode where me and friends talked about Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous season three. I'll link that in the show notes. But so, yeah, that movie, like I was kind of I was I remember being underwhelmed by 
Rise of Cobra. And e even rewatching it more recently, I was still underwhelmed by it. But I was surprised by how Christopher Eccleston was in it. Because when I first watched it, it was before I got into Doctor Who. And so seeing Eccleston as Dresto made it uh, somewhat more. Whoa, whoa, time out, time out. What did you call him? Destro. You said Dresto. Oh, did I? Yes, you did. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> uh, dress, uh, have a nice bowl of Dresto. Actually, no, that sounds like laundry detergent. Don't eat that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's Destro. Like, I, I should have remembered that because I remember thinking that sounds really close to Deathstroke to me. Like, if you just say it really close but or really quickly, but. Yeah, like Christopher Eccleston made it more watchable for me, but I still felt like it was just nonstop action that I didn't care about for the most part. And like action movie cliche piled on top of one another to the point where I didn't care much about the characters. And so uh, when I finally got around to watching Retaliation recently, I was kind of surprised that Eccleston didn't come back for that one. I, I guess, I don't know, maybe, maybe he didn't have time for it in his schedule because of his very memorable role in Thor The Dark World that same year. But I, I do agree that Retaliation was a bit more watchable. I think The Rock and Bruce Willis kind of helped with that, it, like for me anyway. And it didn't feel like, like it still has very over-the-top moments, but it felt somehow more grounded than rise of cobra in a way like i don't really know how to explain it and i think on imdb the movies have like the same score they're like both 5.8 and so for retaliation i i think 5.8 is fair but i think for rise of cobra i'd give it more of a five but all that is to say that when it came to snake eyes i like wasn't sure like my expectations were low as well because you know it's very much like the transformers thing like these live action like hasbro slash comic related things that have been like not quite hitting the mark more often than not and so like my expectations were really low for this one as well um what'd you think of how they decided to like tell snake a snake eyes origin story uh first off kitties uh snake eyes don't talk snake eyes that's the golden rule and people are gonna say oh but it's an origin story well <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing even in most origin stories he doesn't talk they make it a point of having him not talk to kind of carry that verb and i know what you're thinking oh but you know it's a new territory and he, if he could talk he would um, but that's not the point is that every writer even when he could talk and there's multiple incarnations of how of why snake eyes doesn't talk like you have one where he took the vow of silence after his master was killed the other is he suffered an injury that severed his vocal cords there's there's several um sometimes he does it willingly other times it's un, it, it's 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 an injury um but here he's just talking and i'm sorry the actor they have is so wooden it's so <laughs> bland like i i you could replace him and it would like i am like i get like he's a stunt actor and it shows with the acting <laughs> if they just had him not speak a word like people are saying oh but you know 
we needed a character who could talk. Really? Did we need a character who could show his face? Looking at you, Dredd, you did that perfectly. Not show his face. <laughs> yeah, Carl Urban, totally fine. I don't gotta wear, I don't gotta, you know, show my face because that's really what the character is. Yeah. But here it's like, oh, talk, talk, talk. And it's like, maybe you should have left him silent because the actor's so freaking bad at his line delivery. Like, someone dies and he's like, oh no, he's dead. And I was like, that, that made me, I felt that in my soul. Like, a part of me, like, a part of my brain went, you want to keep watching? Like, do you? <laughs> yeah, because he's played by Henry Golding in this, uh, whereas in the other movies, he's played by Ray Park, you know, Darth Maul slash Toad, like, a stunt actor as well, I guess. And I do get what you mean about, like, the character, like, shouldn't be talking. You kind of run that risk with origin stories in general sometimes, right, where sometimes they do too much or show too much reveal too much and like the thing that comes to mind that i can sort of compare this to like since i'm not as in tune with the gi joe franchise it like it didn't really register for me as much as it did with this other thing but you know with halloween you have michael myers who's always silent but in the rob zombie remake they like show him as a kid and show him talking. And um, I think he also says the word die as an adult in the sequel to that. And I just felt like those remake movies were doing too much to explain Michael Myers or ruining the mystique of the character that made him so great in the first place, you know? Well, I, the, the thing, the fun part about snake eyes origin is that he, it, the, we know the mystique we know the backstory like the mystique is, like is that he was really cool like, he was a orphan just a nobody who was brought into this clan and was raised as one of their own and yeah that was it, it like the original uh, now the original initial idea for snake eyes as far as i know was that it was meant to be like a more of a mission story where it was more like snake eyes going on a mission and it wasn't even an origin story it was just going to like correlate with his life and it was going to show like his backstory because obviously the main villain was storm shadow so obviously you gotta bring up the backstory but, but yeah doing a instead doing a full-on origin story yeah that was a piss poor move like why couldn't we have just done like just a mission with the main oh you need the main protagonist to talk well, why did you pick the one the one G.I. Joe character who everyone knows does not talk? <laughs> like if you wanted by that logic, I get it. You didn't want to do Duke because you didn't want to have flashbacks to Rise of Cobra. I get it. But there's literally like a ton of other G.I. Joe. There's literally an army of G.I. Joe characters that you could have picked. Scarlet. You could have done a Scarlet movie because you could have ridden that Black Widow wave. If you did Scarlet and she's in the movie. Yeah, she's she like barely appears in this, which it, like she, thinking she back to it. It's like, oh, yeah, she was in that movie. <laughs> yeah, like Baroness has more of a presence here. And uh, that's not even saying much. Anyway, am I wrong that P like is anyone else tired of origin stories? Can we just get like a like what like we were talking about this in the Batman movie where we were both excited that this is not an origin story. It's just a it's just a mission. It's just we're going on an adventure with Batman. And I wish more movies were like that. And sat, and I wanted that for the Snake Eyes movie. But nope, it's a backstory. It's it's a case where I was sort of hoping that like a small part of me was hoping this would be like the Bumblebee thing where like 
you know, you have a movie that seems like a prequel, but might not be. And it turns out to be better than like the others. But this had more of an X-Men Origins Wolverine vibe to me, which really felt like a huge step backwards. Because I was thinking to myself, really, I thought we were past all this sort of stuff. I thought people had learned from like the mistakes of movies in the past like that. And like, even though I'm not as immersed in the lore, I could tell that like, there are all these things that were happening, like all these discussions that the characters were having where it was like, uh, it feels like they're explaining too much. Like something feels off about this movie. And I guess like hearing your take, it's like, yeah, I was sort of onto something. I was right on. And I'm like, am I wrong that maybe what we need for more of these action like superhero or, you know, any kind of movies is that how about instead of an origin story, you just just do a mission or like because, again, Judge Dredd did that. And I know we're going to keep comparing this to Dredd because this this is Dredd's going to be more better remembered than origin and then Snake Eyes Origins. Let's let's be real. Um, (laughs) But like Dredd didn't do a backstory. It was just we're going on a mission with Dredd. Same thing with the Batman. We're going on an adventure with that. Hell, Spider-Man Far From Home was not so much an origin story. It's just we're going on an adventure with Spider-Man. Yeah, or and home, I, Homecoming. Yeah, a Homecoming. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, mean, they, home, they all have home in the title. So, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's the thing. I I just want superhero. Sometimes I just want these action superhero movies just to be like, let's just go on an adventure with the character. Instead of knowing, we know the backstory. We we know, we know from the reboot. We know from other movies, and, and not from and not like oh, then you just want sequels. No, no, I don't want to wait for my second movie to get the adventure. I want it from the get go. Am I wrong? Right, like some origin stories can be compelling, but like people, like filmmakers should be more willing to take a chance to hit the ground running and maybe like condense the origin in a brief flashback, like a bit later in the movie, like just for context. And then you move on from it and that's it. Like, I do think that people are kind of stuck in that trend of spending too much time on the origin. Like heck an origin could even be just the first 10 minutes. If you really do it well enough, you know? Yeah. Or hell, do it as like a quick, like they're at a play, like, like you could have just had it be like, oh, just a quick look back at their lives or just like hint at them. Like you could have had a scene where Snake Eyes goes into a room and is like, oh, this is where me and Storm Shadow trained before we became enemies, you know, <sighs> whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, I do like I'm going to make this comparison, but it'll go somewhere. I do really like solo a star wars story like i think it's a fun movie but snake eyes does the same thing of like focusing on the dice only does it like maybe too much and it's like it keeps on zooming in on the snake eyes on the dice it's like okay we get it that's how you got your nickname and what's like i don't know it felt kind of overused to me like it's like way too much like every time he rolled the dice it was snake eyes i was like oh my god (laughs) um even like when he when he's staring down like a snake during his training and it's like, oh, you have the snake eyes. I was like, <laughs> I get it. We all get it. And it, it just drove me nuts. It, it Like, we get it. Like, you you didn't even need like 
Snake Eyes is his call sign by the Joes. It's not like he picked the name. They call that was his call sign given to him by G.I. Joe. And, and I also thought it was weird that they actually like this is another thing where they explain too much. Like they gave this version of the character an actual name, like before he got his nickname. Like his his name in the movie is um William Wan. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, here's like, the other should, should I care about that? <laughs> here, here's the other here's the other fun fact. We don't know Snake Eyes' name, and he's not even supposed to be Asian. He is supposed to be straight American. That kind of leads to the animosity between him and Storm Shadow because Storm Shadow considers him a gaijin, you know, an outsider. He's supposed to be like not even like remotely of Asian descent because that uh, that was the other thing with Snake Eyes was that he was just this orphan American boy who got brought in by Snake uh, by Storm Shadow's master slash uncle who was the head of the Arashikage, the name of the clan. There are some interesting choreographic sequence with the Arashikage, but I think they spend too much time on like this flashback that they go into where they spend like 15 minutes like showing what the ninjas did to protect people like in the 600 years past. It's like, okay, we get it. You've been around for a while. These action sequences are impressive, but they're going on like way too long. Like I feel, but also I want to point out, I want to point out that Hasbro's trying the whole shared universe again. Right. Uh, (laughs) Because you, you didn't, you probably didn't catch this and I'll explain this. Did you see the scene with the scrolls and they're showing like the Arashikage, like it's depicted this, the ninjas fighting this big red demon throwing rocks of lava at them. Um, I remember seeing something red, but I couldn't really make it out. Like I was focused on like another part of the screen, I guess. Oh, what was that? Um, that was a reference to another Hasbro property called Inhumanoids. Um, and that character was Metlar, um, the leader of the Inhumanoids. He's basically the Inhumanoids are like these kaiju sized monsters who come up from the ground and try to conquer the earth. And Metlar was like their leader. And yeah, I was like, huh, first off Inhumanoids cool, but also you ain't slick Hasbro. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah. Also, if you ever look up in humanoid episodes, there's only it was a very short lived show because it was such nightmare fuel. No, really. Go look up scenes for inhumanoids. It's nightmare fuel. Yeah, I'm looking at Google images and these look vaguely familiar. I don't know if I've ever seen them before, but yeah, yeah, they they do look kind of nightmarish. It's also another scene where you see Baroness is like discussing things with like a Cobra Intel agent and like on the, in the, in their headquarters. And like, you see like little glimpses and you clearly see the Decepticon symbol in on one of the screens. So I guess Cobra, I saw that (laughs) you also see, there's also a reference to another, another show called mask. And I was like, and mask is a totally it's a total different it's a whole thing we also had a reference to like gi joe's investigating like shape-shifting creatures though clearly the dire raves from rom the space knight so i guess they're gonna try to do secret invasion at some point and, and yeah and just cram like, all the toys together yeah i was like are you trying to do a shared universe right out the gate or are you gonna let this breathe uh, <laughs> I, let the mummy know the tom cruise mummy movie tell you how that went um <laughs> um but yeah there's also 
what was it a reference to action man i was like who the cares about action man (laughs) um it was just like too much like i get it it was small cameos but like you really wanted to hit over the head hey we're making a shared universe we're we're doing it you do you like that we're we're marvel now yeah i mean even the 3d animated movie scoob handled the shared universe thing better like did here, it though? did it i mean yeah i think so i'm not sure if i'm in the minority there but i think it did <laughs> Like, I I use Humble Bundle, like, this website. Every once in a while, there's, like, really low prices on bundles of different books or comics or whatever. And over the last six and a half years, I've gotten two Transformers IDW bundles, but I haven't really gotten through them much. Um, Apparently, I have G.I. Joe slash Transformers First Strike in there, but I haven't read it yet. It's a really good event. Um... But there's a lot to that event because at the time, um, IDW had combined all of their Hasbro properties together. So that was part of an event. Uh, that event was basically part of that storyline. It's a lot of back reading for a lot of all that <laughs> to get to understand what I mean, it's a good event, but like there's a lot of backstor- backdoor reading. Yeah, I guess I would have to do some back reading for that. Like a year and a half ago, I made a list of the Transformers IDW comics that I have on there and like listed them in chronological reading order. And I still haven't got to around to it because frankly, I've just been other things I've been doing instead. So, but I don't know, maybe I'll get to those Transformers comics eventually. Yeah. The, to be fair, there is a lot, but a lot of it is yeah. really good. Work. It, it it's 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 a mouthful, and it just rebooted recently. Okay, so there's like sort of a finite end to the continuity I might have in my digital library. Yeah, it ends with the Unicron saga, but uh, okay, you are you are a way far away from there. What'd you think of the way that they showed Snake Eyes getting into like all this ninja stuff? I hated that he treats it like a joke. Uh, he treats it like a joke at first and how like he, at the same time, how fast he's learning. I'm like, wow, we um, we're just going to skip it. I, and I hate this is not just this movie. It's every movie where it's like, oh, the main protagonist is so good, but he's so like uh, like so what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, overpowered yeah he's so overpowered and like at the same time he doesn't care it's not just this it's like almost every every time and i'm like i want someone who like has to like constantly fight his way through all of this i mean i give superman gets a pass because like that's not the point of superman to get stronger it's like to be a better person like that's the point of superman i don't need him to train well i like when he trains with batman and wonder woman but like it's not the point of Superman to train and get like Goku level strong. It's to be like a better person. So I don't give Superman that crap. But and even like Batman doesn't get that crap because like he fails a lot in training. Yeah, like it is refreshing. Like when we get those moments in certain things where we're able to see the hero fail, it makes their successes more meaningful. But here it's like there's no like it doesn't seem like there's a huge passage of time in his training and if there is they handled it poorly it it doesn't help because again snake eyes origin he was trained from a child so 
like the fact that he's learning in like what seems like a few days is kind of BS. And again, like, oh, well, he he learned he he learned on the streets. I was like, the streets doesn't teach you to be a ninja. Yeah. And the jokes like I kind of expected. Well, I mean, because the trailers felt very generic. I kind of expected that they would do this, but it felt like they were trying to do the Marvel thing of like, okay, if we tell jokes, people will love this. But much of the jokes really fell flat, like they're very cringeworthy. And I just didn't uh, like I was just squirming in my seat hearing these jokes. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, so much for GI jokes. But anyway, um, that was that was it. That was your one, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, if if I do one more on this episode, I'll be like banished from my own podcast. <laughs> yeah, I I'm waiting. Like rule of two, man. <laughs> I am waiting to take take the place, take your place. Right, but but what do you think of how like the whole hero versus villain thing was handled here? Like, I wasn't very impressed by it, but what do you think? It's not impressive. Like, I don't feel that kind of brotherhood that Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow had. It's again, I hate to compare, but yeah, everywhere else does it better of having them like it because the whole thing about Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes was that yeah, Storm Shadow at first didn't trust snake eyes but like they did form a bond later on like storm shadow had to get over his own prejudice and become like a, and they forged a bond until it got broken um and again like it's different interpretations like either storm shadow became more hostile and like wanted to change the arashikage in it for like becoming more violent and like being more extreme in their tactics and other times he's framed by zartan who assassinated the heart of the his master slash uncle and he got driven into working for cobra but here i don't feel that kind of brotherhood it's just oh you know storm shadows just kind of like a rich ass who's treating <laughs> snake eyes like a pet well, like the story goes all over the place. Like we do have interesting stuff like this fight by the Yemen River, but there's also a fight in the Anaheim Convention Center, which I was not expecting for them to like go that far across the world and to that specific location. Like it felt really random to me. It, it was just like, oh, there are lots of civilians here and now they're in danger and we have to fight to like help them type of thing. And it just felt like the writing was like all over the place. Like they weren't sure what to do here. Yeah. It also doesn't help that the fights were choppy as all hell. Like I really didn't like much of the cutting. Like the, the fights could have been edited much better. Like there, like I said, there are impressive choreographic moments, but some of the fights are just like, like very dizzying. And it's like, I want to just look away. Now I do have some good things to say. Shockingly. <laughs> um, it's still, I still didn't like this movie, but I did like Scarlet and Baroness. Maybe because I maybe it's because of how sparingly they were used. And like, honestly, the script was more better written for them. I especially like Baroness's actress felt threatening. And, and I like that. I also feel like this did a better, better job at doing the whole Rise of Cobra thing than Rise of Cobra in that Cobra is is like been around. But now it's starting to come out like it's starting to be like more of a known threat. And I like that. I like that we're dealing with basically Cobra year one, which I feel like I wish I got that movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I do like that they keep they Yeah. Their Cobra commander is established. He's a thing, but he's kind of like he's like the the unseen monster. And I like that. I like that Cobra commander is treated like a threat 
and treat it like the man behind the str- like the p- ultimate puppet master because like again the one thing the show was notorious for in the original animated show is making him a bumbling idiot and you don't understand why people follow him but like this is like idw Co- cobra commander who like okay i don't it, just to get you interested this version of cobra commander is like there there's a cobra commander but he's like the face of cobra um he does have like say in whatever but there's actually a cobra council who like elects a cobra commander to be like their figurehead and like mount like field leader for their operations i was kind of hoping they would do that but like at the same time i was like no i like cobra commander just being cobra commander and um, in the comics, he actually like this Cobra, Cobra commander is so ruthless. He murders and skins his son alive and sets the corpse on fire and displays it in the middle of the base with a sign saying no one is safe. All oh, because damn. all because his son said you're you are not a good leader. He then proceeds to take off his gloves and beat his son to death in front of everybody. Wow, that's. Damn, I don't know what to say to that. That's wow. That, these that, the mythology of this is like I was not expecting this really. Yeah, Cobra Commander in the comics don't play no games, and I like that. I like that Cobra is being treated like a threat. Like Cobra Commander is treated like a threat, and I also like how there is operative. They do hint that there are operatives out there or being recruited right now. Like they mention recruiting Firefly, and also like they they get Hotwire. Hotwire. No one cares about that character. Uh, and obviously you don't know who that is. That's a scientist who's like a like a Herbert West kind of character in G.I. Joe. And I was like, that's really obscure. I'm an idiot. I'm dumb enough to know who that is. Um, there's also like they mentioned Slice and Dice. And I was like, really? We're going with Slice and Dice from the Deke cartoon? All right, I'll take it. And I hate that cartoon. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> that was a nice little deep cut. huh? I, that was my one. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, it's, maybe it's just me, but I was like, couldn't we have just gotten a Scarlet origin movie? Because I feel like all the real story with G.I. Joe and, and Cobra was was with Scar and some of the better parts were with Scarlet and was with Scarlet and Baroness. Yeah, I kind of wonder how much of this is them potentially teasing G.I. Joe, like other G.I. Joe origin movies they might have planned or how much of it is just them throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks and just picking something out of a hat, see what origin they do next, you know? And again, like, I will say that they do, like, I'm actually glad they finally acknowledge Scarlet and Snake Eyes as a thing, because that's an actual thing in, in every incarnation, is that even though Snake Eyes doesn't talk, he's married, actually, to Scarlet. Yeah, and this is a different actress playing scarlet uh compared to like previously but what'd you think of like the how would you like compare and contrast the two performances um this one's better and even though (laughs) this is like this is gonna sound weird but like snake eyes is like an objectively worse movie than rise of cobra but like it's a better incarnation of scarlet if that makes sense yeah that makes sense like you you can have elements within something that are better than like analogs of that element in the previous thing, but the overall dish could still come out pretty bland and like lacking in flavor. I, I get what you mean. 
I don't know. Like, again, I was like, I would have preferred a Scarlet G- Origins movie right now than Snake Eyes if this was the type of writing we were getting. Um, yeah, I the more I think about this movie, the more I'm like angered by it. <laughs> and I feel like at first I felt apathy, but now I just feel anger. Yeah, I, I mean, there are so many like cringeworthy moments, like when obviously when like they're alluding to Cobra and like all that coming and Blind Master is like, we can no longer be blind to what is about to happen. And it's like, really, like y- you really needed to insert that line in this movie. Come on. I was literally like, face palming myself and shaking my head during that part yeah it also doesn't help that the scheme has nothing to do with because the whole thing is like superfluous because the whole point was to get storm shadow which in a better movie would have been cooler because again this is the early cobra and they established they're getting operatives so yeah the whole point was to recruit storm shadow and by in turn get the arashi kage on their side which again is a thing that happened in the books and in the show or incarnations of it. So, but again, how they go about it is really dumb of going through the superfluous scheme and try and try to make storm shadow. See it like betray his uncle and blind master. And like, and the, how they do that is just so like they, like they gloss over it. Like they're just saying, Oh, well by this logic of like, Oh, doing the scheme of the virus and whatever, um, which again, generic is all hell. Good on you, yeah. movie. Um, <laughs> it's like, so this whole scheme of the virus, threatening the world with a virus, is going to make Storm Shadow see- switch sides because oh, we're evil and we're everywhere. Really? That's that's the uh, that's the tactic we're going with. Not betra- like making him forcing him into this. Like, what? I don't. E- I can't. I know it's uh, like such a poorly structured sentence i'm saying but like that's that's literally how poorly structured this plot is to get storm shadow to join cobra his characterization really feels flimsy like like there's just not much depth to him in this which is unfortunate because if a franchise of movies is being made you would hope that people would at least try harder with the characters because the characters are what are usually like more often than not what should be the driving force in stories even like these really actiony type ones like you can still have your really flashy impressive action sequences but like what's the point of it all if you don't care much about the characters yeah and i i I can't believe that this movie made rise of cobra look good (laughs) <laughs> that's the worst worst of it this this should be called the rise of the rise of cobra because it made it look good yeah for those wondering who if you want to because i've talked so much about the comics go check out any of the larry hama run that's either collected by, uh, from the idw era or it recollects the marvel comics era of gi joe which also guest starred transformers thank you very much or if you really want to look for something, although it's a little difficult to find, but it's worth your look, is the Cobra Civil War event in G.I. Joe. Oh, like Civil, like Marvel Civil War or something else? Basically, the storyline is that Cobra, a co- the first Cobra commander is killed and every other Cobra operative is now like scrambling to be the next Cobra commander. Um, and they're all like the whole point is kill as many G.I. Joes as you can. 
like that's the that's the ticket to being Cobra Commander is like how many Joes can you kill? It's it's dumb, but I know how I'm describing it. it sounds dumb, <laughs> but, it, but it's it. I know how I how it sounds. It sounds dumb, but like that's just how I describe things. I'm really bad at it, so. Um, no, yeah, it's a I, lot so, better, I like, sometimes don't give things justice either when describing it. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it really does like cool stuff, like explaining like um, Baroness wanting to be the next Cobra commander, but she knows she won't because the council that picks the next commander is really like biased towards women. Um, there's also another major blood wants to be the next Cobra commander. And he does a lot of like human trafficking and whatnot. Um, there's also Serpentor, who in this continuity is like a cult leader. There's also um, there's a lot. There is a lot, and it's a really cool event. It's really hard to find in trades. Um, in fact, I I collected most of it, but I'm still missing two volumes. Oh damn! Yeah, it's it's literally like 18 parts. Okay. I mean, well, it's it's 12. Excuse me. I'm looking at it right now. It's 12. Counting the two missing. Okay, so that's not as daunting, but I'm also not sure if I'll ever get to it, to be honest. But yeah, I'll keep it in mind, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you think of like the final showdown at the end of this movie? What did I think of the thing I couldn't see because of all the choppy camera and dark and dark <laughs> uh, scenery i couldn't tell you um all i could see was like snake eyes uh getting his throat slit which i was like all right we're going with that version of how why he doesn't talk um and even then like they they cut away from storm shadow like cutting his throat and being like you were my brother we were supposed to do this together i was like really you treated him like rover um <laughs> you weren't brothers it was a pet relationship and i don't think it was consensual Someone should have shown a light in that scene somewhere because it was very hard for me to tell what was going on. It's just really annoying. Yeah, it just felt like a very bland ending to the movie. And it's like, like I, I kind of feel like they're t trying to tease more things, but I don't know like what specifically they want. I'm not sure if they know what they want. Like, I know there's that like, G.I. Joe Ever Vigilant movie that's in development and all these other things, but it's like I don't know where they go from here. And like th this is not a very good movie, so like I don't know. Yeah, I I'm just more interested in the Transformers the Beast Wars movie they're doing right now. And oh, even yeah, then, yeah, Transformers even then, Rise of the Beasts. Yeah, even then I'm a little worried. I mean, it's live action Transformers, so if you're not at least a little bit worried, I'd be concerned. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I'm not even sure. Like, like, okay, so I'm confused because, like, I heard it takes place in 1994, which best people in the world were born that year. But, like, I, I know it's, like, in the 90s. So what, what I'm confused about is whether it's a Bumblebee sequel or Transformers prequel or if, like, it's, they're making it's Bumblebee part of the other movies against so like i don't know it's a, it's a it's a bumblebee sequel okay so that does make me a bit more interested um but i guess i won't know for sure unless i see more from like the marketing and whatnot eventually i'm cautiously optimistic but like i'm at the same time i'm really worried after seeing this movie 
Because I was like, <laughs> you're doing so well with Bumblebee. Like, I thought you were on the right track. But now, to quote Ralph, <laughs> I'm in danger. Yeah, like Bumblebee, like when you get right down to it, it's it's not that complicated of a movie. It's a character-driven story. It, it, like, there is the Iron Giant comparison, but compared to, like, the other Transformers movies, it was really refreshing because it really focused on the characters, and it made me realize that I really, I'm really tired of, like, just the endless destruction in cities and, like, most of the Transformers live-action movies, and so... yeah. And yeah. a lot of that probably comes from the director who was like really good at character stuff because he had worked. He was one of the heads at Lykea Studios. Oh, was he? I didn't know that. Yeah. It was the guy like behind Coraline and and uh, all, like a vast majority of the Lykea Studio animated films. Oh, yeah. So I, like, I, I love the Lyco stuff. I, I mean, like I've said on the podcast before, like the best Transformers movie and the best Bad Boys movie are the ones that Michael Bay didn't direct. So make of that what you will, listeners. Um, uh, but I guess uh, unless you have anything else to say about Snake Eyes, we could go into like final thoughts and scores out of ten. No, I got nothing other than this. Uh, this angers me of like how good it could have been and how <laughs> like good it's making other bad movies. Okay, so where are your final thoughts and score out of 10? Okay. This sucks. Three. <laughs> uh, three. What's a, what's a good one? Three, it, three Rise of Cobra. It, why is this movie better? Why is this movie making Rise of Cobra look good out of 10? <laughs> yeah, just that question being asked three times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this was a really underwhelming film. Um, I, I was really thinking that maybe it, it could be an interesting character piece, but it, it just felt really choppy and not well put together. And uh, like I ended up forgetting much of it, like since I've seen it. So I guess that goes to show you like how much I care about the movie. I have I have seen worse, unfortunately. Um, but that being said, I'm gonna have to give this four out of ten dice. So yeah, Ooh, and I, and, and I was. Yeah, and, and and there are all the sides of each die is blank, so so that there are like no numbers of dots for people to add up. Like I don't want people to add extra numbers to this. Like it's just four. So yeah. But yeah, I guess that'll do it. Uh, thanks for joining me again, Mr. Multiverse. Where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on YouTube. Oh, yes, I've heard of that site. <laughs> you know, that site that constantly infuriates everyone, but we have to use it. Yeah, I'm probably in the minority, but I use YouTube for music more than I use Spotify for music. Um, as for my stuff, you can follow me at Steven Schinder on Instagram and Twitter, Steven Schinder Storytelling on Facebook. Uh, that, that Facebook page is also where I typically announce stuff I'm part of and like what's coming up. And you can also uh, find uh, info on my book at stevenschinder.com. And of course, I'm still working on the next one. So more info to come whenever that info is ready. 
And anything else I'm involved with, I will link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, I guess that'll do it. And now that we got snakes out of the way, the next episode will probably be Indiana Jones 5. But without further delay, have a good day.